0: Well, we're going to continue our series here that we've been going through. Uh, So far, we've been going through the book of Luke. Uh, Next week, we'll actually step into the book of Acts. So um, today, we wrap up the book of Luke in this series called Jesus for Everyone, and we're going to be talking about uh, Jesus on the cross for everyone. Um, I'm going to be reading a a larger section of of Scripture, starting in um, Luke 23, starting in verse 18. And as we read through this, I mean, we're reading about the crucifixion of Jesus, and and my prayer, as we stop and as we read over this portion of Scripture, that this wouldn't be too familiar for us, um, but that we'd be able to stop and to be present with what's really happening here in the pages of Scripture. So, Spirit of the living God, we pray that you might um, abide here with us, speak to us, help us with renewed... Hearts renewed vision, um, be able to engage here with the story of um, the crucifixion of our our beloved Jesus, um, that we might might sit here in this moment, um, and that there would be a renewed passion um, and love that would would continue to form within us for you. It says this: um, the crowd here is is. Um, standing, and Barabbas is there, and Jesus is there, and the crowd starts crying out. So verse 18, but they all cried out together, away with this man, speaking of Jesus, and release to us Barabbas, a man who had been thrown into prison for an insurrection, started in the city, and for murder. Pilate addressed them once more, desiring to release Jesus, but they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him, A third time, he said to them, what evil has he done? I have found no guilt deserving death. I will therefore punish and release him. But they were urgent, demanding with loud cries that he should be crucified. And their voices prevailed. So Pilate decided that their demand should be granted. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and for murder, for whom they asked, but he delivered Jesus over to their will. And as they led him away, they seized one Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. And there followed him a great multitude of people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children, for behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren in the wombs that never bore the breast that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others, who were criminals, were led away to be put to death when it hit And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him, and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You will be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sunlights failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And Having said this, he breathed his last. Now, when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for the spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. Now, there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish Town of Arimathea, who was a member of the council, a good and righteous man who had not consented to their decisions and action, and he was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down, wrapped it in a linen shroud, laid him in a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever yet been laid. It was the day of preparation and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandment. There's obviously a ton of different directions that, that we could go here. We could, um, we could quite literally spend the rest of our time together as a community over years, being able to reflect on the cross. Um, What I wanted to take us um, today is specifically thinking about the series that we've been in, Jesus for Everyone. Uh, Jeremiah, if you could bring up the list, you'll see that, that as Luke tells the story of the cross here in Luke 23, you will see that there is a whole bunch of people that he's interacting with. There's a whole bunch of people that Luke is making sure to mention as he explores the story of Jesus being crucified. Because remember, as Luke is telling uh, this gospel account, he is giving us theology through story. And so the theology through story that we're being presented here is that as Jesus is on the cross from the time of his trial all the way to he is laid in the tomb, you see that there are so many people that are mentioned and crowds of people that are mentioned as the story is being told. Luke is presenting us to a a theology that understands that Jesus on the cross is for everybody. And as he is on the cross, you will see a wide mosaic of humanity as as the story is unfolding for us so you'll see in barabbas and simon of cyrene and daughters of jerusalem criminals rulers soldiers a centurion the the whole crowd the disciples joseph of arimathea the women like there is just a ton of people that again express a wide range of humanity as jesus is on the cross and so what i wanted to do is i'm just going to take like three minutes on each person in this list and just kind of reflect on what what can we learn? What can we reflect on? Um, honestly, this is much more just devotional in nature. Just as I explored this passage and just thinking about Jesus on the cross and Barabbas being a part of that story, what can we reflect on um, in that space? So we'll start with Barabbas. Um, you'll notice here in verse 25 it says, "He Pilate released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and for murder." for whom they asked, but he delivered Jesus over to the will. Like, it's, right, the words are stunning. The crowd is asking that a man who is up there, and, and, and Luke says it twice, that he's, he's there on trial because of insurrection and murder. And the crowd's like, yeah, no, you can release him. You, you can let him, him go. Like, these are no small crimes, And they're also the actions, thinking about it, of an insurrectionist. These these are the actions of a revolutionary. Barabbas is on trial because he is trying to bring about what the disciples and and Israel is actually hoping for. He's he's trying to overthrow Roman rule in in Jerusalem. And that's why he's on trial. And, And so... So Barabbas is actually the picture of a false savior. Actually, even when you look at it, I was talking with Jeremiah even before the start of service here. You stop and look at Barabbas' name. It's Bar-Abbas. It is, his name literally means son of the father. And so here you have on trial a man named son of the father who was trying to overthrow Rome, to bring about the kingdom of Israel, right? And so, and so he is this picture of a false gospel. And what, what he reminds us of is that we, in all of our own ways, try to bring about human flourishing from our own understanding. We, in our own ways, try to take control of our lives, and a lot of times when we take control of our lives, it gets really messy, and it can get violent. That when people are, are in a place where they feel like they don't have control, where people are in a place where, where life just feels oppressive, where, where life feels just heavy, and a lot of times we'll try to take things under our own power, and Jesus offers Himself to a people that try to take life under their own control. Jesus offers Himself and say, "No, actually, my way. My way is the way to human flourishing. Follow me." actually not someone that is, is seeking to control and exercise power and dominion in a violent way, that's not the way to go. But you'll see me step in and actually offer my life as a sacrifice to you. He offers a completely different understanding of what it is to be human and what it is to see the kingdom of God come about in the world around us. So we cannot be a people that take things under our own control and power, but we must be a people that follow the way of Jesus if we really truly are going to see human flourishing emerge in the world around us. Let's talk about Simon of Cyrene. Uh, Simon of Cyrene. Cyrene, uh, that word being brought up lets us know that, um, that he's from a town that is in North Africa. So Simon came to Jerusalem to worship God. He's traveled from North Africa to Jerusalem for Passover. He's come here to, to pray, to offer sacrifices, to worship, and to remember God's redemptive acts for, the, for his people. Then he is brought into the story in a way that he could have never imagined. He came to worship, and then all of a sudden, now he's carrying the cross of Jesus. And his is a story that reminds us and encourages us to understand that our worship of God isn't merely a song. Our worship of God isn't merely an offering. Our worship of God isn't just a a prayer lifted up. And our worship of God isn't just remembering a holy day on the calendar. We aren't sideline spectators just cheering God on. That is not what our worship of God is. But it's this understanding that our lives get completely intertwined with what he is up to in the world around us. It's this understanding that all that we are and all that we have gets offered to Jesus. Simon gets a pic, becomes a picture for all of us for what it is to be brought in as full-on participants in God's missional work of the world around us. Jesus' call earlier in Luke chapter 9 was, if anyone will come to me, that they should pick up their cross and follow me. And what you will see Luke explicitly say is that as Simon is carrying the cross, that Jesus is ahead of him. And again, Simon becomes this picture of what it is to be a follower of Christ. That we are fully intertwined with what he is up to. That our lives are fully enveloped in who he is. Listen to these words from N.T. Wright. He says, and as we reflect on the role of the small parts within Luke's large drama, we should remind ourselves that our own parts, small though they may seem, may also contribute substantially to the work of the gospel as it goes forward. Neither Barabbas nor Simon Dreamed that day that their names would be known and their stories told around the world 2,000 years hence. How much more, when we follow this Jesus and carry his cross, can we be sure that God will use our small labors and sufferings within his larger work? The suffering, the pain, the work of our hands is meant to be intertwined. And I'll be honest, this, this, this little section is really tricky to kind of navigate because what you're interacting with here is this really beautiful and, and, and confusing mystery of a Jesus, God, right, who cannot carry the cross under his own power, Right? it's It's this really tricky, kind of mysterious moment where where they see that Jesus is so overwhelmed, there he is, God in the flesh and and there someone else is humanity needs to then carry the cross, right? It just becomes this wild space of just trying to figure out like what in the world are we supposed to conclude about this? But what you realize is is over the pages of scripture that God is constantly humbling himself to the point where he is asking humanity to participate in the work that he really could do on his own. But he's constantly limiting himself. God does not seem to ever really want to do the work by himself. He wants participation. He wants partnership. Again, from the very beginning, from the very first pages of Scripture, what you find is that God creates. He he, he forms everything, and then he endows humanity with purpose. Like, you now go out and exercise dominion. Like, rule over creation with me. And here, in some way, at the cross, that we get that same account that, that the gospel writers make sure to show, a humanity that's actually involved with the work. Humanities who actually participating in what Jesus is up to. Then there's the daughters of Jerusalem. He he turns to them and it's it's this incredibly, um. Just heavy passage. It's filled with lament, and it's filled with sorrow. And what Jesus is saying in this moment is that he, he knows that you fast forward to A.D. 70, that there's going to be a day when Rome squashes uh, a Jewish revolt. And, and so they are going to—Rome is going to come heavy upon Jerusalem. And so Jesus is telling them— that's this phrase there at the end of this and he says for if they do these things when the wood is green what will happen when it is dry what he's saying to them there's another way that it's translated um and he's it's like he's saying if these things are done to me the living tree what will happen to you the dry tree And what he's communicating to them in this moment is saying, it's like, look, they, Rome is coming with this fierce power where they are crucifying an innocent man. Can you imagine how they are going to treat you, Jerusalem, when you try to revolt against them? It is going to be a day of sorrow. It is going to be an extremely heavy day for you. And what Jesus is doing in there is that, again, he cannot help himself from expressing his love and his compassion and his never-ending commitment to the Jewish people. What he's, what he's doing here for them is, is a place of saying, like, like, I'm the way out of that. Like, you have a choice here. You, you, could, you could follow me... Are you can try to live life under your own power? But I, I care for you. It's, it's this statement from, from, from God. It's like, I don't want you to suffer. I don't. I don't want you to be going through pain. I don't want you to be going through devastating times. Like, I see you in your pain. And even in this moment, what you see happening is Jesus in his, is in his most grueling moment. Right? Luke is describing to us, right before this, he describes to us a Jesus who cannot carry the cross under his own strength, and someone else has to carry it for him. Here he is in his most vulnerable moment, and what is he focused on? Humanity. He's focused on us. Even, even in his most weak moment, Jesus is focused on us. I don't want you to suffer. I don't want you to go through pain. Then there's the criminals, the rulers, and the soldiers. This moment is, is, is like a high point for Luke. It, it's this moment where, where, where Luke highlights again this theme that he just absolutely loves to constantly reflect upon. It's this absolutely wild place where where those that are in power, the rulers, those that are in authority, the Romans, they are the ones that should be the, the ones that acknowledge that God in the flesh is right there in front of them. But it isn't the rulers that recognize Jesus as the king. It's a criminal. It's, it's Luke again highlighting this upside down, this great reversal that he has constantly been highlighting over the pages of his gospel account. It isn't the rulers of Israel. It isn't the Romans that are in power and authority that are able to stop and to recognize Jesus as who he truly is. But it is on the lips of a condemned criminal that acknowledges, Jesus, you are king. Like, these words are so profound, and we can so easily glance over them, that, that a criminal looks at Jesus, and he says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. A criminal is there confessing to Jesus, who's on the cross, dying. You have a kingdom. You're king. This, this criminal has an ability to understand Jesus in a way that no one else is understanding Jesus. And you go to this point of recognizing that, that all throughout Luke's account, throughout his entire story here, he has been having people sit down and have meals with Jesus. And it's one thing for a radically immoral person to sit down and have a meal with Jesus, and it's a totally other thing for Jesus to say, and today you will enter with me in paradise. Like he is bringing this this account of, of the lowliest of low sitting down in fellowship with Jesus to its apex, to its high point. The lowliest of low, those are the type of people that will be in paradise with Jesus. Is absolutely, just wild, mind-blowing space. Let's talk about the centurion. We'll go a little bit quicker here. It says, when Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And what Luke is doing here I believe that he's he's preparing us for the book of Acts, that the book of Acts is all about the gospel going out to the Gentiles. And we, any of us that are in this space that are not Jewish, need to celebrate that the centurion's story is here at the crucifixion. Because what it communicates to us is that the cross is also for us that we are a people that now have access and are grafted in to the story of God's people. The centurion is here specifically for you and for me to say, yes, you Gentiles can also be ones that are praising God. And this is is a really, really big rock in the gospel story. Because what you will find is this. If you were to read the letters of the New Testament with this lens on, that it's constantly helping diverse people come together under the banner of Jesus. With that understanding, you will see just so much of the New Testament is written to a diverse group of people coming together under the banner of Jesus. And so right here in the story, Luke makes sure to mention that there is a Gentile that is praising God, saying, surely this man was innocent. He is paving the way for an understanding in the church that all people are called to this new community that God is forming. (laughs) Then there's the crowd the crowd is an absolute the progression of the crowd is absolutely fascinating to me because in th- verse 35 you'll see that they're initially described as people who just stood by watching but then now here in verse 48 you'll notice how they're described and all the crowds assembled for this spectacle but when they saw what had taken place they returned home beating their breasts There are these times in our lives where we get a glimpse of Jesus and it absolutely wrecks us. It absolutely just completely changes our lives. I remember the first time that I uh, came to the Good Friday service here at Faith. Um, We sat through the service and there was a variety of people from our community that were reflecting on uh, Jesus' death on the cross, and then the service just kind of stopped. Like, there was no formal dismissal to the Good Friday service. It was, the reflection happened, worship happened, and there was an announcement that the communion table was open for whoever would like. And I remember just sitting there going, like, is the service over? right now like what's what's taking place here in this moment and then all of a sudden as i'm sitting there just this overwhelming sorrow covered my heart and what took place in that moment is all i all i can say is that what the spirit of god was doing within me was almost like he was transporting me to that night that jesus was crucified and just realized like there was no formal dismissal for the disciples there was like no like And Sunday's coming. There wasn't, they were just left without any closure. They were just left, like, can you imagine just John and and Peter and just kind of sitting off in the shadows and just, like, maybe looking at one another and saying, is that it? Like, what now? Can you imagine being in that moment? And it was just like, at that Good Friday service, I was just, just so overcome with, with sorrow. It was just, like, I was transported to that night and just realizing, man, Jesus died. Because every time that I've interacted with the story up to that point, it was like, Jesus died, and then three days later, he rose again from the grave. And it was like, you just, I just never really sat, I just never really sat with that part of the story, it was just like, He's dead. All right, go home. He's dead. And he's just just weeping. like you, like you died for me. Like it's a mystery. Like, like, he who spoke life into existence, you... you're gone. Depth of your love. I, again we just there are these times where we just have this encounter with Jesus. These moments, these, these, these like pillar type moments in our lives, these altar type moments in our lives, where we just, I I know Jesus in a more dynamic and in a fuller kind of way because of the ways that he just will sometimes spontaneously surprise us with, an, with a greater understanding, awareness, and experience of who he is. On Tuesday, our youth go to camp. And um, I've, I've had the privilege of, of being a part of youth camps for quite a few years, and. Um, and there's just something about being in those moments where, like, the light bulb goes off or turns on in the life of a the youth. There's just something about sitting in that room and... Like, it, it's, it sounds funny to say it, but just, like, being so joyful that a youth is just on their knees absolutely wrecked. Like, just bawling. And you're just sitting there filled with so much joy. It's like, yes, look how much they're crying right now. Right? It's just... There is such a place of honor and privilege to be a part of a moment where you see the trajectory of someone's life completely changed. And, man, I'm going to lose it. Um, That's the calling that we all get to be a part of. That, that we get this crazy honor to be a part of other people's lives to a place where like, they know Jesus in a new and profound way. Like, and that's just, I mean, that may that be just the heartbeat of who we are as a community, that we just are just so, just like in love with Jesus, and we want that to, to just take root in other people's lives. That's, that's our ambition, that's our hope, that's our desire, that's what we're working toward. It's just like we want people to know Jesus, to delight in him, to know him and experience him in, in just new and fuller and more dynamic ways. And, and there's just something, we about the, watching the progression of this crowd where they went from just being spectators, it was a spectacle to them, to all of a sudden they went home absolutely changed life will not be the same why because they saw jesus they saw jesus then there's the disciples it says all his acquaintances you know it's really weird and fun and and just really just i guess cool to to reflect on is that um, from the garden of gethsemane on luke doesn't describe the followers of jesus as disciples anymore he in moments like this he'll say like there were those that were around him and they were his acquaintances. And what Luke is doing, again, theology through story is he's showing us the severity in which they have have distanced themselves from Jesus. And it isn't that they're without hope because the book of Acts comes along and now all of a sudden, right, they're just like these totally different and changed people. But he shows us the 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 ways how how just severe they distance themselves from Jesus. And so now they're not all his disciples it's all his acquaintances are there they stood at a distance and and for me what this part is is just to acknowledge there are times it is difficult to follow jesus there's just times in our lives we're just like yeah i don't know if i can go where you're going (laughs) count me out nope, <laughs> right, like, there's just these times in life where it's like, yeah, I see what you're up to and I don't want a part of it, right, like there's just times in life where it's just like God will tug on your heart, the spirit of God will tug on your heart and it's like, here, this is something that I want you to go do, like I want you to go talk to this person, I want you to, to navigate this point of pain, I, I want you to go walk through this, this area of forgiveness, I want you, whatever it may be, I know that all of us have walked through this space in life where we're just like, yeah, I see what you're wanting to do right now, and no. Nope. There are these times where we're just like, yeah, I stood at a distance. And what I just find really encouraging is this, is that the gospel accounts are written because the apostles were firsthand witnesses to everything that Jesus said and did, right? And so as they are communicating to Luke and to Mark and to Matthew and to John what they should be writing down as a part of, like, this is the gospel, that the apostles made sure to say, yeah, when you write this story, make sure that you write this down. We stood at a distance. that's so stinking encouraging <laughs> that, that they made sure to say make sure that this is part of the story we, we were hiding in the shadows I mean that's a story that we all walk through They didn't stop him he knew that we would abandon And he went to the cross anyways. He still gave himself for us. So that in a moment like this, that we might be able to be gathered together and just recognize, like, yeah, there there are times where it's really difficult to follow Jesus. It didn't stop him. It It didn't stop him from pursuing us. There's Joseph Arimathea and Joseph represents the faithful remnant of the jewish men and women during this time luke starts his story with with zachariah with elizabeth with mary with simeon and with anna all devout righteous jewish people and it is a reminder to us that god always has a remnant of people god always has a remnant of people that he has kept and called to himself And though things sometimes will diminish, so though sometimes things will look their most bleak, he still has people that he will continue to work through. There are times where we think we're alone. There are times where we think we're the only ones still following. There are times where we should be like, I am not connecting with the church right now, and I am not connecting with what's happening in the world around me, but God will often remind us, I've got a remnant of people and I'm still at work in the world. And Luke makes sure to highlight from the very first page of of his gospel account to, to here on the crucifixion of Jesus, there were devout, righteous followers of God. He still has a remnant of people and he's gonna use that remnant of people to change the world. Let's keep on going and we'll wrap up with this one. There's the women. Next week, we'll, look, we'll move to Luke's second letter to the church called the Book of Acts. And um, as we wrap up this portion of his writing called the Book of Luke, I hope that what we see and what we have seen over the course of this series is that women matter. I mean, I, I, just, I just like walk off the stage. Like just, just let us know that. Like, women matter. Women matter, and I think the reason that's so important to say is that what the gospel writers make sure to communicate to us, and what the pages of scripture make sure to communicate to us, is that we we have to recognize the image of God on all people. Women are constantly highlighted by Luke as responding to and participating in the kingdom mission of God. Listen to, to Luke chapter 8. And Pastor Brittany, you want to come back up? It says this in Luke chapter 8. Soon afterward, Jesus began a tour of nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news of the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene, for whom he had cast out seven de- demons, Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's business manager, Susanna, and many other who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. The women were the pillars. <laughs> the women supported the ministry. And then here, it, it, at the, as Jesus is in the tomb, it says this. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. Luke portrays to us a picture of women ministering to Jesus and the church. They are the critical supports of this mission of God in the world. They are constantly portrayed as a people who faithfully, powerfully, tenderly care for Jesus and for the church. And what's this message to us? You, no matter who you are, are called recipients and full-on participants in the kingdom work of God. You hold a place of significance in the body of Christ. Don't discount your life. When it comes to the Lord's table, we all sit on even, right? We all sit at, at, at an even place. Like you matter to the body of Christ. And 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 for the kingdom of God to constantly be advancing in the world around us, who's God going to use? He's going to use everyone. You're, you're called to participate in what what he's up to in the world around us let's enter back into song